Pesticides in the Environment Learning Objectives After studying this chapter, you should understand environmental consequences of pesticide application while considering all relevant factors, such as types of ter terrain, drainage patterns, soil, presence of non-target organisms, and endangered species, drift, weather, groundwater, and surface water. Understand how to prevent pesticide drift, runoff, or loss to unintended areas of the environment. Know how to identify potentially sensitive areas that could be adversely affected by pesticide application, mixing and loading, storage, disposal, and equipment washing. Understand the importance of implementing procedures to prevent residue accumulation associated with mixing and loading and equipment washing and understand when to adjust or delay an application to minimize environmental impact and maximize effectiveness. Governmental agencies, as well as the general public, are becoming increasingly concerned about the harmful effects of pesticides on the environment. Initially, hazards to humans were the primary reason for the EPA to classify a pesticide as a restricted-use product. Now, more and more pesticide labels list environmental effects such as contamination of groundwater or toxicity to birds or aquatic organisms as reasons for restriction. The EPA requires extensive environmental testing when it evaluates pesticide applications submitted by manufacturers for the registration of new pesticides. The agency is also taking a close look at environmental effects when it reevaluates existing pesticide regi registrations. The environment. The environment comprises everything that is around us. It includes not only the natural elements that the word environment often brings to mind, but also people and the manufactured component of our world. Neither is the environment limited to the outdoors. It also includes the indoor areas in which we live and work. The environment is more than the oceans and the ozone layer. It is air, soil, water, plants, animals, houses, restaurants, office buildings, and factories, and all that they contain. Anyone who uses a pesticide, indoors or outdoors, in a city or on a farm, must consider how that pesticide affects the environment. The user must ask two questions. One, where is the pesticide going to go in the environment after it leaves its container or application equipment? Two, what effects can this pesticide have on these non-target sites it may reach in the environment? Pesticide Characteristics To understand how pesticides move in the environment, you must first understand certain physical and chemical characteristics of pesticides and how they determine a pesticide's interaction with the environment. These characteristics are solubility, adsorption, persistence, and volatilization. Solubility is a measure of the ability of a pesticide to dissolve in a solvent, usually water. Pesticides highly soluble in water dissolve easily. These pesticides are more likely to move with water and surface runoff or by movement through the soil water than are less soluble pesticides. Adsorption is the process whereby a pesticide binds to soil particles. Absorption occurs because of an attraction between the chemical and soil particles. Typically, oil-soluble pesticides are more attracted to clay particles and organic matter in soil than are water-soluble pesticides. Also, pesticide molecules with positive charges are more tightly adsorbed to negatively charged soil particles. A pesticide that ad adsorbs to soil particles is less likely to move from the spray site than a chemical that does not adsorb tightly to the soil. Persistence is the ability of a pesticide to remain present and active in its original form from an extended period before breaking down. A chemical's persistence is described in terms of its half-life, a comparative measure of the time needed for the chemical to break down. The longer the half-life, the more persistent the, the pesticide. 
These residues are sometimes desirable because they provide long-term pest control and reduce the need for repeated applications. However, some persistent pesticides applied to soil, plants, lumber, and other surfaces or spilled into water or on soil can later harm sensitive plants or animals, including humans. It is especially important to prevent persistent pesticides from moving off-site through improper handling, application, drift, leaching, or runoff. In addition to presenting a hazard to persons and non-target animals entering a treated area, application of persistent pesticides may lead to the presence of illegal residues on rotational food or feed crops. Check the label for statements about the persistence of the pesticide and for replanting restrictions. The rate of pesticide de degradation relates to the persistence of the pesticide. Pesticide degradation. Degradation process breaks down pesticide compounds into simpler and often less toxic chemicals. Some pesticides break down very rapidly, in a matter of days or even hours. Others can be detected in the environment for a year or more. Pesticides are broken down or degraded by the following process. Chemical degradation. The breakdown of chemicals by processes that do not involve living organisms, most commonly by hydrolysis, a chemical reaction with water. Microbial action. The process in which chemicals are degraded by soil microorganisms such as fungi or bacteria. Photodegradation. The breakdown of chemicals in reaction to sunlight. Water and temperature both affect the breakdown of pesticides. Warm, wet conditions can increase the speed of pesticide breakdown. Cool, dry conditions slow down the degradation process. Volatility is the tendency of a pesticide to turn into a gas or vapor. Some pesticides are more volatile than others. The chance of volatilization increases as temperatures and wind increase. Volatility is also more likely under conditions of low relative humidity. How pesticides move in the environment. Pesticides that move away from the targeted application site, either indoors or outdoors, may cause environmental contamination. Pesticides move in several ways, in water, in air, attached to soil particles, and on or in objects. Movement in air. Pesticide movement away from the application site by wind or air currents is called drift. People who mix, load, and apply pesticides outdoors usually are aware of the ease with which pesticides drift off-site. Those who handle pesticides indoors may not realize how easily some pesticides move off-site in the air currents created by ventilation systems and by forced air heating and cooling systems. Pesticides may be carried off-site in the air as spray droplets, vapors, or solid particles even on blowing soil particles. Movement in water. Most pesticide movement in water is either by surface movement off the treated site, runoff, or by downward movement through the soil, leaching. Runoff and leaching may occur when too much pesticide is applied or spilled onto a surface, too much rainwater or irrigation water moves pesticides through the soil off-site or onto groundwater. Highly water-soluble or persistent pesticides are used. Runoff water in an indoor environment may move into drainage systems, streams, ponds, or other surface water, where the pesticides can be carried great distances. Pesticides that leach downward through the soil may reach groundwater. Besides runoff and leaching, pesticides also can enter water through drift. In an indoor environment, water containing pesticides can flow into floor drains and contaminate water systems. A careless act, such as dumping a pesticide or rinsate down a sink or toilet can contaminate an entire sewage or water treatment facility. Some pesticides can leach in indoor environments. In a greenhouse, for example, 
pesticides may leach through the soil or other planting medium and contaminate other greenhouse surfaces. Look for special instructions on the label that warn of pesticide hazards caused by the movement of pesticides in water. Movement on or in objects, plants, or animals. Pesticides can move away from the application site when they are on or in objects or organisms that move or are moved off-site. When pesticide handlers bring home or wear home contaminated personal protective equipment, work clothing, or other items, residues can rub off on carpeting, furniture, and laundry items and onto pets and other people. Pesticide residue is the pesticide that remains in the environment after an application or a spill. Pesticide residues may be on treated crops, feed products, or livestock. The breakdown time ranges from less than a day to many years, depending mostly on the chemical structure of the pesticide's active ingredient. Preventing Pesticide Drift Drift can be defined simply as the airborne movement of pesticides to non-target areas. Off-target movement can be in the form of spray droplet drift, vapor drift, or particle dust drift. Studies have shown that a significant percentage of pesticides may never reach the intended target site because of drift. It is impossible to eliminate drift totally, but it is possible to reduce it to a tolerable level. Where significant drift does occur, it can damage or contaminate sensitive crops, poison bees, pose health risks to humans and animals, and contaminate soil and water in adjacent areas. Applicators are legally responsible for the damages resulting from the off-target movement of pesticides. All persons and animals should be removed from the area where pesticides are being applied. Spray drift refers to the off-target movement of a pesticide during a liquid application. This is the result of small spray droplets being carried off-site by air movement. Spray drift occurs more frequently than the other two types of drift because almost all spray applications result in some off-target movement. Avoid most problems associated with spray drift by paying close attention to spray droplet size and the wind direction and speed. Larger spray droplets are less likely to drift than smaller ones. Typically, larger nozzle orifices and lower pressures produce larger droplets. However, some new nozzles such as the venturi or air induction nozzles produce larger droplets when used at higher pressures, above 40 psi. The viscosity thickness of the liquid affects droplet size. The viscosity of a liquid is a measure of its resistance to flow. For example, mayonnaise is more viscous than water. As the viscosity of the liquid increases, so does the droplet size, thus reducing the potential for off-target movement. Formulations such as invert emulsions have a thick consistency that aids in reducing drift. Other formulations produce some spray drift when water droplets begin to evaporate before reaching the intended target. As a result, these droplets become very small and light and may move from the target site. Thus, invert emulsions have less water loss and more of the pesticide reaches the target. Several drift control additives can help reduce the potential for drift. The number of large droplets can be increased by using certain additives and thickeners. Remember, always follow the label and directions about using any spray adjuvant intended for minimizing drift. Air movement is the most important environmental factor influencing the drift of pesticides from target areas. The movement of air is influenced by the temperature at ground level and the temperature of the air above it. Warm air at the soil surface is expected to occur more often when the sun is higher in the sky and shining on the soil. Inversion conditions result when warmer air above traps cooler air located near the surface of the ground. These conditions are more likely to occur in the early morning or evening, except in the case of temperature inversions, the early uh, morning and evening are often the best times to apply pesticides because windy conditions are more likely to occur around midday when the temperature near the ground increases. This causes hot air to rise quickly 
and mix rapidly with a cooler air above it, favoring drift. The best time to spray is when the spray droplets move slowly upwards in the absence of windy or inversion conditions. Low relative humidity and or high temperatures also can increase the potential for spray drift. Under these conditions, the evaporation rate of water increases, resulting in smaller spray droplets that drift more easily. Avoid spraying during these times. Reduce outdoor drift problems by spraying when the wind speed is low by leaving an untreated border or buffer area in the downwind target area and by spraying downwind from sensitive areas such as residential properties, schools, crops, waterways, or beehives. For reducing drift indoors, pest control operators must consider the air circulation patterns inside of buildings. Turn fans and air conditioners off and close vents where necessary to prevent pesticides from drifting to other areas of the structure. Using low volatile or non-volatile pesticides and by using only low pressure treatments can reduce indoor pesticide drift problems. Temperature inversions. Applications made under low wind conditions can sometimes result in more extensive drift than those made under high winds. Drifts that occurs over long distances, over a mile, is most often the result of applications made under stable atmospheric conditions such as temperature inversions. A temperature inversion exists when the air at ground level is cooler than the temperature of the air above it. Under these conditions, the air is considered stable because there is little or no vertical air movement. Almost, air, almost all air movement associated with inversions is sideways, lateral. This results in a high concentration of small spray droplets suspended in this layer of cool air near the ground. These droplets can then be carried long distances, especially if wind speeds increase. When the spray droplets settle out, they, they are still concentrated enough to cause potential damage or harm. Inversions can occur at any time of the day and at any height above the ground, but they most often develop during the early evening hours as the ground temperature begins to cool and the warm air has already risen. They intensify during the night and may persist until mid-morning when the ground has warmed warmed sufficiently to start the vertical mixing of air, causing a dilution and separation of suspended spray droplets. Consequently, applications made during early evening, night, or morning hours under what appear to be ideal conditions can result in highly damaging drift that can move along distances. This is especially true if the humidity is high. These stable air conditions inversions can be recognized by observing the movement of dust or smoke. If the dust or smoke rises little from its source and tends to hang in the air, an inversion is probably present or in the process of developing. Another method of detecting inversions is to place a thermometer at ground level and a second thermometer high above the ground and compare the difference in temperature. If the temperature at ground level is below that found at the elevated thermometer, a temperature inversion exists. Do not apply pesticides under such conditions. Vapor drift refers to the movement of pesticides as gaseous vapors from the target area. Some pesticides are volatile and can change readily from a solid or liquid form into a gas under the right conditions. This most often occurs with high air temperatures. Pesticides that have volatilized into a vapor or gas may drift farther and for a longer time than they would have as spray droplets. Only those pesticides that are able to volatilize are susceptible to vapor drift. As air temperatures increase, the likelihood that these pesticides will volatilize and drift also increases. Whenever possible, choose a pesticide formulated as a low volatility product. Avoid applying volatile pesticides in hot days. Some products can even volatilize several hours after application, so beware if high temperatures are predicted for later in the day. Many products carry precautions against applying these products when temperatures are above 85 degrees Fahrenheit or are expected to reach 85 degrees. Remember to check label precautions for product-specific concerns about vapor drift. Particle drift refers to the movement of solid particles from the target area by air during or just after an application. These solid particles may include pesticides formulated as dust or soil particles to which pesticides are attached. 
Some pesticides can remain active on soil particles for long periods after they are applied. If particles are blown off the target area, contamination or damage to sensitive areas can occur. To prevent particle drift from nearby outdoor pesticide applications from entering a building, be sure to close all windows, vents, and turn off all circulating fans, forced air heating systems, and air conditioning units. For indoor applications of pesticides, reduce particles drift by turning off fans, forced air heating systems, and other air circulating equipment. Check pesticide labels for statements related to these concerns. Applicator Responsibility The applicator is ultimately responsible for managing drift. Applicators must assess the vulnerability of neighboring properties in those areas downwind of the application site. Evaluate weather conditions for temperature inversions, wind direction, and wind speed before making the all-important decision about whether to spray. The applicator may have to make adjustments to the application equipment to reduce spray drift. Consider using low volatile formulations or adding a drift control additive or thickener to help minimize drift. A good drift management program includes a combination of all drift reducing techniques available for a particular application. Applicators who apply pesticide indoors are also responsible for preventing drift. They must ensure pesticides do not move beyond the target site and that all people and animals are kept out of the treatment area according to label instructions. Surface water or groundwater contamination results from either point source or non-point source pollution. Non-point source pollution from pesticide applications has most commonly been blamed for pesticide contamination in the outdoor environment. But studies are revealing that water contamination also results from point source pollution. Point source pollution comes from a specific identifiable place or location such as a pesticide spill entering a storm sewer, back siphoning of pesticides, contaminated surface water entering sinkholes, repeated spilling of pesticides at mixing and loading sites, careless spilling of wash water at equipment cleanup sites, improper handling of spills and leaks at storage sites, improper disposal of containers, rinse it from containers, and excess pesticides. Non-point source pollution comes from a widespread area. The movement of pesticides into streams or groundwater following a broadcast application to an agricultural field, large turf area, or right-of-way is an example of non-point source pollution. Indirect or non-point source contamination of groundwater can occur when contaminated surface streams interact with shallow groundwater through subsurface flow. Normally, surface water becomes contaminated when water runs off treated fields. Runoff risk is the greatest when heavy rains immediately follow a pesticide application. Surface water is often a source of drinking water. Therefore, pesticide contamination of surface water, ditches, streams, rivers, ponds, and lakes, is a health concern. Pesticides that move in runoff water or with eroded sediment may contaminate plants and animals located downslope and may reach sources of surface water. Factors affecting runoff and erosion rates include slope, vegetative cover, soil characteristics, volume and rate of water moving downslope, temperature and rainfall amount and intensity. These factors influence how much water runs off and how much moves into the soil and filtration. Runoff may be a problem for most outdoor application sites. In areas treated with any type of pesticide, it is critical that runoff does not carry the pesticide into water sources or other vulnerable areas. Pesticide contamination of groundwater. Groundwater provides 70% of the water used for public and private water supplies, irrigation, and industry. Like surface water, groundwater needs to be protected from contamination. Once groundwater is contaminated, correcting the problem is difficult or even impossible. Groundwater is found underground in cracks in the bedrock and in the spaces between soil particles, gravel, and rocks, and is the source of water for wells and springs. The layer of soil, sand, gravel, or fractured bedrock in which all available spaces are filled with water is the saturated zone. The boundary between the saturated zone and the overlap 
laying unsaturated rock and soil is known as the water table. The overall geologic formation from which groundwater can be drawn is called an aquifer. Leaching. Some pesticides reach groundwater by moving through the soil in a process called leaching. For a pesticide to leach into groundwater, it must move down through the soil and water and resist binding to soil particles and breaking down into non-toxic compounds. A pesticide's chemical and physical characteristics influence its ability to leach into groundwater. A pesticide soluble in water can move in water into surface water or groundwater. Persistent pesticides are likely to leach and contaminate groundwater. Pesticides having high solubility, low adsorption, and or persistence typically have a label statement informing the applicator of leaching concerns. A pesticide that adsorbs or binds itself strongly to soil particles will not leach as easily. In addition to the characteristics of the pesticide, soil properties and environmental conditions also affect the likelihood and extent that a pesticide will leach. Soil properties. Four soil properties influence a pesticide's potential for leaching. Texture and structure, organic matter, depth to groundwater, and geology. Texture and structure. Soil texture is the relative proportions of sand, silt, and clay-sized particles. Percolating water moves faster in sandy soils and fewer binding sites are available for the absorption of dissolved chemicals when compared to clay or silt soils. Though sandy soils are more prone to pesticide movement, leaching may also occur in clay or silt soils. Soil structure is the shape or arrangement of soil particles. It plays a bigger role in determining the size and shape of the pores through which water moves. Small amounts of pesticides may also move through soil cracks, warm holes, and root channels. These features are referred to as macropores. Organic matter. Organic matter consists of decaying plant material. The higher the soil organic matter content, the greater the soil's ability to hold both water and absorb pesticides. Pesticides held in the root zone are less likely to leach into groundwater and may be taken up by plants. Depth to groundwater. Areas with a shallow water table have a greater chance for groundwater contamination because less soil is available to act as a filter, resulting in fewer opportunities for the pesticide to be degraded or absorbed. When you must use pesticides in an area where the groundwater is close to the surface, Select a pesticide having a low leaching potential and take extra precautions during mixing, application, and cleanup. Geology. The permeability of the geologic layers lying between the surface of the soil and the groundwater is also an important factor. Highly permeable materials such as gravel deposits allow water and dissolved pesticides to move downward to groundwater freely. Layers of clay, which are made are much less permeable, can inhibit and slow the downward movement of water. Preventing surface water and groundwater contamination. To help prevent surface water and groundwater contamination, the EPA requires that all pesticide products with directions for outdoor uses must include the environmental hazard statement on the label. Quote, do not apply directly to water or to areas where surface water is present or to intertidal areas below the mean high water mark. Do not contaminate water supplies when cleaning equipment or disposing of equipment wash waters." End quote. Labels of pesticides which have been found in groundwater must bear groundwater warning statements. Groundwater statements on labels help applicators choose appropriate pesticides where soils are sandy or where extra precautions are needed to reduce contamination risk. You can reduce the risk of point or non-point source contamination greatly by following best management practices. BMPs, best management practices, are effective, common-sense practices that emphasize proper mixing, loading, application, and disposal of pesticides. 
Following these procedures greatly reduces the potential for pesticides to cause adverse effects on the environment. Use IPM principles. Apply pesticides only when and where necessary and only in amounts adequate to control pests. Following IPM principles, use non-chemical control methods whenever possible. When using pesticides, Determine the type of pests and the density of the pest population and the proper control method. If the pesticide is necessary, select the least toxic product that will provide adequate control. Calibrate pesticide application equipment regularly. Use spot treatments or ban applications, if possible, to reduce pesticide use. Identify vulnerable areas. The presence of sandy soil, sinkholes, wells, streams, ponds, and shallow groundwater increases the chance of groundwater contamination. Avoid pesticide application in these locations, if at all possible. Never dispose of empty pesticide containers in sinkholes or dump or rinse sprayers into or near sinkholes. Also, exercise care to avoid contamination of streets, storm sewers, drainage ditches, and other potential sources of runoff to streams and waterways. Do not, under any circumstances, clean tanks or intentionally discharge water from a tank of any vehicle into a street, along a road, or into a storm drain. Do not mix and load near water. Carry out mixing and loading as far as possible, at least 50 feet, from wells, lakes, streams, rivers, and storm drains. When possible, mix and load the pesticides at the site of application. Consider using a sealed permit or portable mixing and loading pad to prevent seepage into soil. Keep pesticides away from wells. Do not store or mix pesticides around wells. Poorly constructed or improperly capped or abandoned wells can allow surface water containing pesticides and other contaminants direct entry into groundwater. These wells are sometimes located in or near treated fields and other application sites. Avoid back siphoning. Back siphoning is the reverse flow of liquids into a fill hose. It sucks tank contents back into the water supply. Back siphoning starts with a reduction in water pressure and can draw out very large quantities of pesticide directly into the water source. This happens when the end of the water hose is allowed to extend below the surface of the spray mixture when, filled, when filling a spray tank. The simplest method of preventing backflow is to maintain an air gap between the discharge end of the water supply line and the pesticide solution in the spray tank. Keep the air gap at least twice the diameter of the discharge pipe. Another method for preventing back siphoning is to use an anti-backflow device or check valve. Improve land use and application methods. Terraces and conservation tillage practices can reduce water runoff and soil erosion. Ideally, leave as much plant residue as possible on the soil surface to lessen erosion. Where conservation tillage is not possible, reduce runoff potential by incorporating pesticides into the soil to lower the concentration of product on the soil surface. In ornamental plantings, consider using mulches to reduce water runoff and soil erosion. Grass buffer stripes are very effective in reducing pesticide runoff because they trap sediment containing pesticides and slow runoff water, allowing more runoff water to infiltrate the soil. Leaving untreated grass stripes next to streams, ponds, and other sensitive areas can trap much of the pesticide running off of treated areas. Time pesticide applications according to the weather forecast. Pesticides are most susceptible to runoff from heavy rains or irrigation during the first several hours after application. To avoid overspraying an area or causing drift, check the pesticide label for application precautions or restrictions during windy conditions. Wind speed, temperature, and humidity all affect the off-target movement of pesticides. Select products wisely. Whenever possible, use pesticides that are less likely to leach. Read labels for leaching warnings. Handle pesticides safely. Follow these guidelines to prevent surface or groundwater contamination. Immediately contain and control pesticides bills. Check application equipment regularly for leaks or damage. Mix and load pesticides away from water sources. 
After the pesticide application is complete, follow label directions for proper equipment cleanup and container disposal. After applying granular pesticides, sweep or blow any granules from sidewalks, driveways, or patios onto the treatment area. Clean sprayers at the application site whenever possible and at a safe distance from wells, ponds, streams, and storm drains. Spray the rinse, rinse it on the treated area or on another site listed on the pesticide label or use in the next tank mix. Be sure not to exceed label rates. Preventing pesticide effects to sensitive areas and non-target organisms. To prevent adverse effects on the environment, pesticide users must be aware of sensitive areas, non-target plants, and animals, especially endangered species, and harmful effects on habitat. Sensitive areas. In addition to water sources, sensitive areas include sites where living things could easily be injured by a pesticide. Outdoor sensitive areas include schools, playgrounds, recreational areas, hospitals, and similar institutions. Habitats of endangered species, apiaries, honeybee sites, wildlife refuge, and parks, areas where domestic animals and livestock are kept, ornamental plantings, public gardens, and sensitive food or feed crops. Sensitive areas indoors include where people live, work, shop, or are cared for, where food or feed is processed, prepared, stored, or served, where domestic or confined animals live, eat, or are otherwise cared for, where ornamental or other sensitive plants are grown or maintained, such as in malls and buildings. Sometimes pesticides must be deliberately applied to a sensitive area to control a pest. Only applicators who are comp competent in handling pesticides should perform these applications. At other times, the sensitive area may be part of a larger target site. Whenever possible, take special precautions to avoid application to the sensitive area. Leaving an untreated buffer zone around a sensitive area is a practical way to avoid contaminating it. In still other instances, the sensitive area may be near a site used for mixing and loading, storage, disposal, or equipment washing. The pesticide user must take precautions to avoid accidental contamination of the sensitive area. Check the label for statements that alert you to special restrictions around sensitive areas. Pesticide Effects on Non-Target Organisms Pesticides may affect non-target organisms directly causing immediate injury or may produce long-term consequences through environmental pollution. When pesticides build up in the bodies of animals or in the soil, they accumulate. If you use the same mixing and loading site or equipment cleaning site over a long period, Pesticides are likely to accumulate in the soil. When this occurs, plants and animals that come into contact with the soil may be harmed. The following sections discuss the effects of pesticides on non-target plants, bees and other beneficial insects, and fish, wildlife, and livestock. Non-target plants. Nearly all pesticides can cause plant injury due to chemical exposure, phototoxicity, particularly if they are applied at too high a rate at the wrong time or under unfavorable environmental conditions. Phytotoxicity can occur on any part of a plant, roots, stems, leaves, flowers, or fruits. Most phytotoxic injury is due to herbicides, damage to crops or other plants in adjacent areas is primarily caused by drift though it may sometimes be a consequence of surface runoff. Bees and other beneficial insects. Bees pollinate many fruit, seeds, vegetables, and field crops. Applicators must be aware of bee activity when planning pesticide applications. Preventing bee loss is the joint responsibility of the applicator, the grower, and the beekeeper. Before applying pesticide toxic to bees, notify beekeepers in the area so they can protect or move their bee colonies. Minimize losses of bees to insecticide poisoning by following a few basic principles. Read the label and follow label directions. Determine whether bees are foraging in the target area so you can take protective measures. Whenever possible, use pesticides and formulations least hazardous to bees. M 
Emulsifiable concentrates are safer than powders and dust formulations. Granules are the safest and least likely to harm bees. Microencapsulated pesticide poses the greatest risk to bees. Choose the least hazardous application method. Ground applications are less hazardous to bees than aerial applications. Apply chemicals in the evening or during early morning hours before bee forage. Evening applications are generally safer to bees than morning applications. If unusually warm evening temperatures cause bees to forage later than usual, delay the pesticide application. Do not spray crops in bloom except when necessary. Do not spray when weeds or other plants around the treatment site are in bloom. Do not treat an entire field or area if spot treatments will control the pest. Pesticides can harm other beneficial insects in addition to bees. Often these beneficial insects are valuable allies in keeping pest populations below damaging levels. A pesticide application often harms a beneficial insect population as much as a target pest, so do not spray when beneficial insects are in the target area except when absolutely necessary. Fish, wildlife, and livestock. Pesticides can be harmful to all kinds of animals. Most injuries occur from the direct effects of acute poisoning. Fish kills often result from water pollution by a pesticide. Fish kills are most likely to be caused by insecticides, especially when small ponds or streams are under conditions of low water flow or volume. Bird kills resulting from pesticide exposure can occur in a number of ways. Birds may ingest pesticide granules, baits, or treated seeds. They may be exposed directly to sprays. They may consume treated crops or drink contaminated water or they may feed on pesticide-contaminated insects and other prey. Granular or pelleted formulations are a particular concern because birds and other animals often mistake them for food. Other formulations, liquid, may be safer when birds and other wildlife are in or near the treated area. Place baits properly so they are inaccessible to pets, birds, and other wildlife. Animals can also be harmed when they feed on plants or animals carrying pesticide residues. Predatory birds or mammals feeding on animals killed by pesticides are a special concern. Pesticide residues remaining on or in the bodies of the dead animal may harm predators. This is called secondary poisoning. Check the pesticide label for statements about secondary poisoning. The less obvious effects that occur from long-term exposure to pesticides are a major concern. For example, certain pesticides have been banned because of fish and bird kills and reproductive failures of several bird species. The most important source of livestock poisoning by pesticide has been introduced to contaminated feed, forage, and drinking water. Contamination often occurs as a result of improper or careless transportation, storage, handling, application, or disposal of of pesticides. Protecting Endangered Species Certain plants and animals have been identified as endangered or threatened species. Make every effort to avoid causing harm to these populations. Because all living things are part of a complex, delicately balanced network, the removal of a single species can set off a chain reaction that affects many others. The full significance of an extinction is not always readily apparent, and the long-term effects are often difficult to predict. An endangered species is one on the brink of extinction throughout all or a significant portion of its range. A threatened species is more likely to become endangered in the foreseeable future. The reasons for a species' decline are usually complex and thus recovery is difficult. A major problem for most wildlife is the destruction of habitat, usually the result of industrial, agricultural, residential, or recreational development. Each state is responsible for implementing the Federal Endangered Species Protection Program in cooperation with the EPA to protect endangered and threatened species from the harmful effects of pesticides. Under this program, pesticide products that might adversely affect an endangered species carry a label statement instructing applicators to consult a county bulletin to determine if they must take any special precautionary measures when using the product. 
The EPA develops these bulletins which identify precautionary measures required in each county where one or more pesticides could affect an endangered or threatened species. Precautionary measures may include buffer strips, reduced application rates, or timing restrictions. Or an applicator might be prohibited from using the pesticide within the identified habitat altogether. Check with your state lead agency, local extension services, or the EPA website, www.epa.gov, to find out the status of available county bulletins. Summary. Regulation is necessary and the use and classification of pesticides are regulated because of their potential hazard to humans and the environment. An important part of using pesticides responsibly is considering where the pesticide is going once it leaves the container and whether there might be any adverse effects on non-target sites, plants, or animals. The user must understand the characteristics of the pesticide, its solubility, volatility, adsorption, and persistence, and how the pesticide might move in the environment, as in the air by drift or through water by leaching and runoff, to know how to prevent unwanted effects. If pesticides are applied correctly at the right time, in the right location, and with the proper application technique, the user can do a lot to prevent drift, runoff, and leaching. You can reduce or prevent drift by considering the method of application, the spray droplet size, and the speed and direction of the wind. In general, applying pesticide closer to the ground and using larger droplets reduces drift potential. Other factors to consider for preventing drift include the physical properties of the liquid, air stability, humidity, and temperature, and the volatility of the pesticide formulation. Pesticides that enter groundwater and surface water through runoff and leaching present a hazard to aquatic organisms, plants, and wildlife, and they may enter drinking water. Factors affecting runoff include slope, vegetative cover, soil characteristics, volume, and rate of water moving downslope temperature, and rainfall amount of intense, amount and intensity. Some of these factors also affect leaching of pesticides as do soil properties. Texture and structure, organic matter, content, the depth to groundwater, and the geology of the area. Consider these factors before applying pesticides in an area. Several techniques or best management practices can prevent groundwater and surface water contamination from pesticides such as identifying vulnerable areas, not mixing or loading near water, keeping pesticides away from wells, and avoiding back siphoning. Other important environmental considerations arise in sensitive areas. These are areas where pesticides present a greater risk of injury, such as to schools, playgrounds, endangered species habitats, and ornamental plantings. If it is necessary to make an application in these areas, Make sure the pesticide applicator is well-trained and knows how to apply the pesticide properly to reduce risk to people, plants, or animals in the area. Non-target organisms include plants, bees, and other beneficial insects, fish, wildlife, and livestock. To avoid exposing non-target organisms to pesticides, applicators must know when and how exposures might occur and adjust their application practices accordingly. To prevent harmful effects on habitats, pesticide handlers also must avoid the buildup of pesticides at a site. For example, using the same mixing, loading, and cleanup site over a long time will result in the accumulation of pesticides in the soil. Pesticide handlers need to alternate locations for these activities or use some kind of a containment system, such as a mixing and loading pad, to prevent pesticide buildup. Pesticide handlers must be aware of any endangered or threatened species inhabiting the area to be treated. Always check the label for statements on endangered and threatened species. It may be necessary to consult a county bulletin that details the procedures for protecting them. It is the pesticide handler's responsibility not only to follow label directions, but also use the best management practices that present the least risk to the environment while achieving effective pest control. Review Questions, Chapter 7 Write the answers to the following questions and then check your answers with those in the back of the manual. Number 1. 
which property of a pesticide would make it more likely to move with water and surface runoff? A. High solubility. B. High absorption. C. High vitality. Or D. A tendency to evaporate quickly. Question 2. Which statement is true but about groundwater or surface water contamination by pesticides? A. Pesticides cannot reach groundwater by runoff. B. Runoff and erosion are sources of surface water and contamination by pesticides. C. Pesticide contaminated surface water will not reach groundwater. Or D. Groundwater or surface water contamination risk is low when a heavy rain immediately follows a herbicide application. Question 3. Which is an example of non-point source contamination of groundwater? A. Back siphoning of pesticide spills at a wellhead. B. Leaching from a pesticide mixing area. C. Pesticides that dissolve and leach through soil after it rains. Or D. Dumping leftover pesticides products down a well. Question 4. Under what soil conditions are pesticides more likely to leach through soil? A. A heavy clay soil, low in organic matter, where groundwater is shallow. B. A heavy clay soil, high in organic matter, where groundwater is deep. C. A sandy soil, high in organic matter, where groundwater is deep. Or D. A sandy soil, low in organic matter, where groundwater is shallow. Question 5. Which is a recommended best management practice for preventing contamination of surface and groundwater by pesticides? A. Use pesticides that are highly, highly water-soluble. B. Use terrace, terrace and conservation tillage practices. C. Clean sprayers near sinkholes. Or D. Select persistent pesticides. Question 6. What two things should pesticide applicators be most aware of to avoid spray drift? Droplet size and wind direction and speed. Option A. B. Air stability and temperature. C. Viscosity of liquid pesticides and air turbulence. Or D. Temperature and pesticide volatility. Question 7. What two things should pesticide applicators be most aware of to avoid vapor drift? A. Droplet size and wind direction and speed. B. Air stability and temperature. C. Viscosity of liquid pesticides and air turbulence. Or D. Temperature and pesticide volatility. Question 8. Which statement about sensitive areas is true? A. Never spray a sensitive area to control a pest for any reason. B. Do not spray a larger target site if it contains a sensitive area. C. Pesticide labels may contain statements that list special precautions around sensitive areas. Or D. Endangered species habitats are not considered sensitive areas. Question 9. Which statement is true about protecting bees from pesticide injury? A. Wettable powders are the safest formulation for preventing bee injury. B. It is best to spray crops when they are in bloom. C. Aerial applications are less hazardous to bees than ground applications. Or D. Applying pesticides in the evening or during early morning is recommended.